You guys uh, are my church family, and I love you guys as uh, I love my own family. You guys are incredible, um, because a lot of you guys are like amazing older siblings to me, and many of you guys are are genuine and true friends to me, and uh, I look up to you guys as role models, as as you guys are parents and spouses. Um, It teaches me a lot for the person I want to be. Uh, through Jesus. And with all families, you don't just get cool older siblings, but you also get annoying younger siblings. So with that being said, we have all in. So I'm just kidding. I'm not calling all the kids annoying. No, I'm excited, kids from elementary, that you guys get to be here. And I heard a rumor that if you fill out the coloring sheet, color it spectacularly, follow along, that there is a prize at stake. And uh, someone recently just informed me that if you guys draw a hilarious picture of what you think I look like, you get bonus candy. So I just found out about that. So be doing that, and uh, I'm excited you guys can be with us. Uh, I'm Andrew. For those of you that don't know me, I get the privilege of working here at Axis, doing stuff with students and community groups. And uh, I'm most excited to jump into God's Word. So if you want to join me in the book of Exodus... Chapter 14, Exodus 14, verse 10, as it's going up on the screen and as you're turning there, to give you some context. So the people of God in this story are called Israelites. So people of God now, we're called Christians. We are the new Israel, the true Israel. Back then, the people of God were the Israelites, and they had just been saved from slavery in Egypt. And standing before them is a raging, impassable sea that there's no way that they could get through it unless they had boats, which they didn't. And behind them, they see the massive Egyptian army armed and on chariots ready to murder them. Maybe not the best story for all in, but it happened, right? And, and the Israelites are in this very stressful situation. In front of them is death and behind them is Death, and today we are starting our series called Survivor, talking about stress, and I'm certain the Israelites and the people of God were feeling stressed in this moment. So starting in verse 10, it says this. So this Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people, he said, Do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again, and the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for bringing us all together here this morning, Father. I pray for those of us that came here this morning, that we're feeling stress, that maybe it's, it's a family issue, Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's just an internal struggle or something at work that we're feeling stress right now. God, I pray that you would be with us, that you would give us comfort and peace in people in our lives 
to encourage and help us. God, I pray for those of us who come here this morning, and we're just doing all right. We're just doing fine. That you would encourage us, and that you would motivate us, and give us new ways to impact others and be transformed to become more like you. And God, those of us this morning that are doing great, I pray you would show us people to encourage and to impact and to reach out to. God, I pray that whether we know you and have known you for years or whether we barely know you, that we would get to know you better this morning and the person and the God you are and who we are to you. And I pray all this the only way I can pray, and that's through your spirit and in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So I don't know if you guys have ever been in a situation talking about stress where no one on the outside could tell, but underneath and inside was turmoil. I don't know maybe what was going on, but there was stress. There was emotion going on inside, but other people couldn't see it. Until like a volcano, it burst forth in emotion and fury onto the people around you. Kids, maybe this has happened to you or, or parents, right? And, and, and no one really knew what was going on underneath until it just unleashed. This happened to me once, and I unleashed on a homeless man. Not my proudest moment. Well, I, I had been that night to a bachelor party, and uh, as bachelor parties tend to go, they get really hyped up with these unrealistic expectations of, it's going to be crazy, and like, don't tell what happens at the bachelor party. And, and we were 19. I went to a Bible college, so that's why I was 19, and my friends were already getting married, right? And, and, and we're young and dumb, and we're going on this bachelor party, and we want to live up to the hype. We're like, we're trying to get arrested. Like, yeah, like, we're trying to do something illegal. Yeah, like, we're trying to go to a hospital. Yeah. And for those of you that are all in and kids today, sometimes God's word tells us stories, and sometimes adults tell stories not to fall but to learn from so you don't do that. So anyways, we're at this thing and we found the closest uh, uh, a blue object on the map and, and we assumed it was a place you could swim. We did swim. It was actually illegal and glass was there and, and one of my friends cut his foot open and we're driving to the hospital. My group's getting pain meds and, 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 and my friends, while going to get my wallet, broke my key off into my door and we're stranded and all my buddies get picked up. I'm waiting for the spare key and I'm stuck in my car. No way to get out. 3 a.m. And I know I'm in trouble because an armored gate comes down over Pizza Hut. And if Pizza Hut needs that much protection, you're in the ghetto and not a good place. For those of you kids, if you ever see Pizza Hut with a gate over it, you should get out of wherever you are. (laughs) And so I'm sitting there, I'm still wearing swim trunks and a shirt half torn off because we'd use the other half to wrap my friend's war wound. And so I'm like, okay, I guess I'll like change into normal clothes. I don't have much else going on. And as I'm mid-change, half naked, I get a knock on my door. And it's a homeless man. And he's like, hey, man, like, can I talk to you? And I'm like, give me one second. I'm kind of doing something here. Give me one second. I'll get dressed and we can talk. And I'm like freaking out already. He's like, okay. He's like backing up. So I get dressed. I get out. We have our meeting. He's like, hey, man, like, I'm just on hard times, you know. 
I just need some change. And I'd like to say I'm always charitable and, and kind, but in that moment, the volcano burst. I was like, buddy, I don't even know where my wallet is. I don't know where I am. Uh, you just walked up on me half naked at 3 a.m. in front of an armored uh, pizza hut. Like, this is not the time, and I can't help you. Then I run back to my car, slam the door, and he, like, backs off slowly. He's like, all right, buddy. Like, I was scaring the homeless man. <laughs> and that's how stress can be sometimes for us, right? It's underneath, and, and people can't tell until sometimes it just bursts out in a volcano of emotion. Because stress is subtle. Stress is subtle sometimes to the people in our lives, where we look fine on the outside, we're doing great, and they have no idea what's going on inside. Sometimes stress is so subtle, it's, it's even subtle to our, ourselves. And we find ourselves snapping, we find ourselves yelling, we find ourselves angered, and we don't know why because we didn't even realize how much stress we had going on inside us. And so today we're going to dive into that topic of stress and see how God's word can change how we survive stress. And when Josh and Stephen first talked about this idea of, of survivor and, and this message series of survivor, I first thought of Jeff Probst coming in on a helicopter like, 39 days, 20 castaways, one survivor and there's like tribal music it's like oh, yeah. and like people are like jumping on like 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 poles and like hanging on diving in the water throwing buoys and it's epic and i wanted to film a survivor promo with all you guys at access and show it and it would have been awesome turns out i know nothing about filming so it didn't happen i'm sorry you'll just have to deal with with this but that was my first thought when josh and steven talked about survivor my first thought was definitely not connecting faith and being a survivor. My first thought was definitely not being a Christian and having to be a survivor. That's because a lot of times I think we believe that if we have enough faith and if we trust God enough and if we're a good enough Christian, that all the stress and the trial and the problems will go away. And if we're facing old temptations and we're running into new trials, maybe it's because God's not there, or maybe because we don't have enough faith. Because in American Christianity sometimes, it seems we're promised that if we have enough faith and we follow God enough that we'll have six-figure salaries and kids on the dean list and all-conference baseball team and we'll retire at 50 and have an amazing house and a fantastic marriage and perfect kids, and none of those are promises of God. What's promised is that we will need to be survivors and that Jesus will help us survive because Jesus actually tells us that we will continue to face trials. We will continue to face those same temptations. Jesus even told us that we would be persecuted as he will. So we do need to be survivors but thankfully, Jesus did promise us this, that he would be with us and that he would guide us in how to best survive. And so today, I want to dive into why we face stress and, and, and how it feels when we face stress, maybe, maybe what our response is to stress, and then what God's response is to our stress. But I just don't want to just talk about how we respond or feel when we're stressed but I also want us to dive into what we tend to go to when we're stressed 
and what God intends us to go to when we're stressed. And we can see that here in God's word. The first thing I think we often tend to do when we're stressed is we distract ourselves. We're the most distracted people in human history. In fact, some of us are so good that we can both watch TV, be working on our laptop, and like scroll Instagram at the same time. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a site like this. Maybe you're like me. You're like listening to a podcast and music and doing work emails or, or watching, I don't know, The Bachelor. I never do that. Just kidding, I do a lot. Um, right, but watching The Bachelor and on your phone and scrolling social media, I don't know. That's often the site when I have uh, people over from church and we watch The Bachelor. Pretty much everyone else is like scrolling and watching. Sadly, that's not me. I, I tend to more look like this. I get very invested. I have a fantasy team. I cheer for it like a support, like a, like a sport. I have the people I support. I have the people I dislike. Um, I joke, I, I, I scream, I support, I pull for my boys. I'm like, Matt, what are you doing? You can't say falling in love this early. Like, you got to wait till the third date. Or I'm like, Jessica, it's minus five points if you get involved in drama and kick off, and I need you this week. And that's me, sadly, a lot of times when we watch The Bachelor. <laughs> but how often is that the sight of our lives? that we always have something going on in our ears, we're always scrolling, we always have something flashing in front of us. And distractions are perfectly fine things. Hobbies and our phones and laptops and social media aren't inherently good or bad things. It's often how we use them. And the problem is oftentimes I think our distractions don't just distract ourselves from our problems, but they distract ourselves from what matters. That we find ourselves always with something in our ears, always with something flashing in front of us, that we never have time to reflect on how we're doing. We never have time to think about the people that matters and to reach out, to send a text, to plan an event, to make a call. And we don't just distract ourselves from problems, but ever facing the root of our problems. We don't just distract ourselves from stress, but from what really matters. And so what are those distractions for you that maybe go too far in their distraction of you? For me, I actually found it was podcasts. I wish I could say I listened to a bunch of spiritual and self-help podcasts. I don't. I listen to a couple. I may listen to comedy and sports and sports comedy and board game podcasts, as weird as it is. And, and those are all perfectly fine things, but I realized I was always having to listen to something. Even I would like walk around the house with my roommates, and I was just always listening to something or on my phone. And I realized slowly that I was missing out, that I was very rarely thinking to pray. I was very rarely thinking to reflect on how I was feeling. I was texting and calling my friends and family less because I was always scrolling or listening to something. We see this same thing happen in Solomon when his distractions went too far in Ecclesiastes. Great book. But he says, I deny myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart, my heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. And later on, he says, he has made everything, talking about God, beautiful in its time, and God has set eternity in the human heart. You see, Solomon had gone finding all the distractions man could find, hobbies, work, women, 
military success, new projects, and he found that it all didn't amount to much. And at the end of the day, what really mattered were the things of God and the eternal things. And I think when all of us one day go to eternity with God, no one's going to remember us for our candy crush level we reached. No one's going to look back and be like, Do you, can you just imagine the legacy of Andrew and the 5.2 points he scored his senior year of high school? No, no one's going to remember that. <laughs> no one's going to care about how many times we rewatched The Office. For me, it's five. For you, it might be more. That's not going to matter. It's not going to matter our high school batting average or our lowest golf score. What's going to matter and what's going to be remembered is how we became more like Jesus and the people and relationships we impacted along the way. Those are the eternal things of God that he has placed on all of our hearts. And sometimes distractions can distract us from those. So if we tend to distract ourselves, what does God intend us to do when we face stress? Well, just the opposite. He intends us to be still. We see this here. When Moses answered the people, he said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring to you today. And the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And here it is in verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. This is the exact opposite of distraction, right? It's throwing away every distraction and just sitting and being still, resting, putting a pause on everything. That command is not just found here in God's word, it's found elsewhere. In the Ten Commandments, we're told to set aside a time each week, a Sabbath day of rest. That in the Genesis narrative, God himself rested. The Almighty God, after creating the entire known universe, even though he did not have to, he rested to show us that we need to because we are no God. And even Jesus in his teaching called us to rest in him because being still and resting causes you to realize that God's in control, that God's got it, and we ultimately are not in control. It causes us to reflect on how we're feeling, the root of our stress perhaps. It causes us to remember the things of God and reflect on what's happening. And if we continually distract ourselves, we'll never have those moments of reflection. Sometimes you might even need to reflect and you might not even necessarily see where God is yet. You might be stressed and go to reflect with God and maybe not always get the resolution you hoped for. But we still must hope in his promises. You see that here with Moses. As he is telling the Israelites to be still, Moses still did not know how God was going to deliver them. Moses did not know at that moment how God was going to save them or deliver his promise to get them to the promised land. But he still commanded the Israelites to be still and reflect and pause. So if it's a command of God to rest and be still, why do we not naturally do it? Well, I think it shows up why we don't do it in our pride and bragging we sometimes have with how little sleep we get. You guys ever notice that sometimes? 
and we'll be talking, and, and, and sometimes I'll be like, man, I didn't get any sleep last night. How much sleep did you get? Five hours. Oh, I would love five hours. You know, they're like, I only get four. Well, I only get three. And it's like, we're almost prideful sometimes. Like, I get so little sleep. My work schedule is so crazy, you know. I remember one time I was like, I literally got no sleep. I used it incorrectly because they're like, well, how much sleep did you get? And I was like, 30 minutes. And they're like, oh, I only got 15. And it's like, okay, whoop-de-doo. Like, I'm sorry that I'm not as busy as you. We do with our schedules, too. We say we would love to take a Sabbath. We'd love to have time for an off day. We'd love to have enough time to spend with God. But I don't think it's our busy schedules that are getting in the way. I think it's a lack of intentionality in following God's command. I think most of us don't think we really need stress or that God's command to rest is that important. And so we're never intentional about resting because true rest needs to be intentional. If you guys have noticed, very rarely do quality times of rest just happen upon us, at least not for me. But when we're intentional and set aside that time, we find that true rest that relieves our stress. And so I want each of us to think about maybe what is one way that we can start to be more still going forward? What is one way we can rest going forward? Here's a couple found in God's word. Just have a Sabbath. It doesn't necessarily have to be Sunday or even Saturday or even necessarily a whole day or a half day but set aside an extended amount of time each week that you say, I'm going to remove work, I'm going to remove things that stress and aggravate me, and I'm going to focus on what matters and what brings me joy and fulfillment and that I can find rest in. Second, just spend time with God each day. It could be five minutes, it could be 45 minutes. Throw the phone in the other room and just sit and read God's word. Maybe you're like me and not the best at it, I like to read through books, but sometimes I'll just get a devotional because it helps me read God's word and then just pray, spend time with God. Maybe just taking a quick nap, not a crash, uh, unhealthy nap where you wake up uh, in a crazy amount of time later and actually feel worse, but a quality nap, which scientists a lot of times say is about 10 to 20 minutes. You wake up refreshed. You don't go into deep sleep yet. And maybe just finding that 10 or 20 minutes each day to refresh yourself. Maybe just going outside and, and enjoying nature. God has told us that we can see him in nature and maybe that'll help. Maybe just meditating. I don't think it's a coincidence that every other uh, major religion and spiritual mo uh, movement that's, that's sprung up over the years, most of them have some type of focus on meditation. So I'm not saying break out some chakras and some jasmine, but I'm saying that God has wired each of us with a need to rest and to be still. And meditation is simply pausing and taking a few deep breaths and reflecting on something. And God commands us to reflect on his truth. So it could look like you just in the middle of a busy day stopping and taking a few deep breaths and remembering that God's got it, that God has a plan, that you're not in control, but God is, and that ultimately everything he is working is for your good and his glory. And that probably many of the things we stress about aren't that big of a deal long term. All right, so 
we, we oftentimes tend to distract ourselves. God intends us to be still. I think the other thing we often tend to do is we go to unhealthy habits when we're stressed. We go to unhealthy habits. Maybe it's something small, maybe it's a big thing. But I'm talking about habits that, that they give us that quick hit, that temporary relief, that temporary happiness, but in the long term, they're not the best for us. That, that, that though they offer a quick relief, they don't give us long-term joy and fulfillment, and they're ultimately not good for us. For me, it was something small at one point, like Xbox. I'm not a huge gamer, but I found myself recently, every time I'd hop off Xbox, uh, feeling like this kid. <laughs> that every time I would, I would plug in the Xbox and play, I, I would find myself slightly distracted, bored, frustrated, tired, or annoyed. I never walked away from Xbox feeling full of joy, instead just the opposite. And it wasn't major feelings of, of anger or frustration, it was subtle. But I wondered why I had this habit in my life that I was spending my free time on that actually wasn't the best for me. Maybe for you it's something subtle like that, that maybe in scrolling too long on Instagram causes you to compare your life to others and not feel the greatest about yourself and leads to jealousy. Maybe it's, it's, it's when you're scrolling on Facebook and you look at someone else's image of what they present, maybe what they look like or their family is, that it causes you to look down on yourself. Maybe it's hobbies that you spend so much time isolated in that you avoid connecting with friends and family. Maybe it's, it's a relationship or, or something on the internet you go to for quick relief, but it's not the best for you long term. So I want each of us to think about what are those habits that we go to when stressed that ultimately aren't the best for us. Maybe it's something major and something that's gonna be hard to stop. Uh, it's sometimes called addiction. I never really understood addiction or had much sympathy for people that went through it growing up. But slowly I realized in my own life where it was and that it was even affected people in the Bible, the biblical heroes we grew up with. I like this, I found this on the internet, it's messed up Bible heroes. I think a lot of times we grow up in church and we have these heroes for the, of the faith in God's word. But if you go back and read the full story, many of them had major flaws and addictions and temptations that they continued to fall to. Yet God still used them and God still uses us. I realized in my own life and when I found out that addiction was just compulsive ritualistic comfort seeking I always associate it with illegal substances and adult beverages. We're all in, so I'll say it like that. <laughs> but uh, it can sometimes be addictions to much more subtle things, even something like caffeine in my own life. I took a test online at one point and found I scored very high in addiction and never thought I would be at that point. Because sometimes we don't realize how subtly our habits are affecting us. So take some time in those stillness to reflect on how things affect you and maybe some of our habits aren't the best for us. So if we tend to go to unhealthy habits like many heroes of the faith in God's word, what does God intend for us? He intends us to follow his 
commands, to follow God's commands. A lot of times we grow up in church, we hear the law of God, the commands of God, the rules of God, and it feels restrictive, you know? It feels like maybe we're not having as fun or having as full or joyous of a life because we're restricted by these commands. But another way to think about the commands of God is just healthy habits, that God created you and wired you so he knows what the best habits are for us and what will bring us the fullest and most joyous lives. And we can see some of those commands right here in Exodus that we see very clear commands when it says that Moses answered the people in verse 13, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, you need only to be still. There's commands to do not be afraid, to stand firm, to be still. He even gives very direct commands in verses 15 and 16. It says, tell the Israelites to move on. And he tells Moses to raise your staff and stretch out your hand. You see, sometimes God shows us very directly how our commands, his commands apply to our lives, like raising a staff at a specific moment or stretching out a hand. So I can't tell all of us very specific ways we should start following God's commands more. But I can talk about a few of God's commands that are very important and some of the healthy habits that are most emphasized in God's word. Some of the best healthy habits, loving God and loving others, even as much as we love, care, and think about ourselves. God often emphasizes having meaningful relationships, which means relationships that we encourage that other person, that we pray for each other, relationships that we actually hold each other accountable, and when we see them in those unhealthy habits, we actually challenge them to be better relationships where we support, cry, and praise with those people. Another healthy habit we talk about is rest, self-control. God tells us to have to joy no matter what, which is very different than happiness, because you can have joy no matter where you find yourself. And God tells us to serve one another always as Jesus served us. You see, oftentimes we can look at those commands be like, oh, that's so restrictive, that's so hard, and, and people that aren't Christians don't have to follow their commands, and their life must be so much better and more full and joyous, but that's not the case. I found this recently. I was at a wedding, and I was reminded of, of a command of God to be sober-minded and to have self-control. And at this wedding, it's all in Sunday, the kids are here, so they had an unlimited root beer stand unlimited root beer, and adults, you know, sometimes we like root beer. So I, I was, you know, reminded of this command to be sober-minded, to have self-control, but some of my friends got really excited because it was unlimited root beer. They could drink as much as they want. It was free. They didn't even need a pass or anything, and it was great. And I could look at that situation and be like, man, this feels so restrictive. This feels so lame that I have to follow God's command and I can't drink as much root beer as I want as my friends can. But here's the thing, too much root beer is not good for you. Even kids know that, right? It's too much sugar, it's too much caffeine. You feel me? Yeah, it'll mess you up. And so I found that when my friends were really enjoying the unlimited root beer stand, that that night and the next morning I looked back and instead of them having the more full and joyous evening than I had, I actually had the more full and joyous evening. I was able to enjoy those relationships better, have a much better morning. 
and, 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 and ultimately, I think it led me to having a better weekend. So sometimes God's commands can feel a little restrictive, but ultimately he knows what's best for us and what's gonna bring us the most joyous life, despite how much we might like root beer. <laughs> so finally, I wanted to focus on our response to stress sometimes and God's response to our own stress. We can see that here in the Israelites. I relate to them a lot in this moment because they begin to get irrational. And I feel that at times when I'm stressed, I begin to think of the worst case scenario and hypotheticals that won't even happen. And, and I forget all of the God's promise. And we see that here. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them and they were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. You see, that's irrational because they are begging to go back to Egypt because the Egyptians were known as the best grave diggers in the known world. So they're like, at least in Egypt, we would have had like, Nice graves in the desert, we're just going to die. Like, they're being sarcastic. They're like, Moses, what are you doing? They say, we would have rather served the Egyptians. Served. No, they were slaves. They're like, they're like, instead of following God's promises, at this point, I'd rather just be a slave. Like, if I'm going to be honest. And, and we can look and be like, Israelites, you're being so irrational. Do you not remember what just happened? God, like, literally sent plagues. Like, do you not remember witnessing that? Do you not remember when God promised that he's going to take you to the promised land? Do you not remember when God gave you salvation from slavery? That had just happened and they were already forgetting and no longer hoping in God's promises. Say, Israel, don't you remember? God gave you salvation from slavery in Egypt. Don't remember all that God did for you throughout Egypt, sending hail and all these things to soften Pharaoh's heart. And God's promises to you that God actually promised that he would get them to the promised land, that he will take you to the promised land. And we can look at the Israelites and say, you're being irrational. You're not remembering all that God just did and all that he promised. But how often are we the same? That when we get stressed, we forget all that God has done for us and will do. God could almost say to us, don't you remember when I gave you salvation from sin? Don't you remember all that I've done for you throughout people and relationships and moments and family that I think we've all experienced in our lives? Don't you remember the promises I gave to you in my word? Don't you remember that I am taking you to a place that I will prepare for you that will be much greater than the promised land? So often we can be just like the Israelites when it comes to stress. We can get irrational and forget all that God has done and will do. So finally, I wanted to look at God's response. It's so interesting how he responds to the Israelites, how in control he seems, how confident God seems that he has a hold of what's going on. In verse 15, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. 
raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. God is so in control in this moment that he looks at the Israelites and is like, why are you crying out? But if we put ourselves in the place of the Israelites, we would cry out too. They're facing sea and death. They have no idea how God is going to deliver on his promises. They have no idea how God is going to save them. But in God's eyes, in God's lens, he already knows it's okay. He's not worried at all. He already knows how he's going to deliver on his promises. Because his plan is ultimately for our good and his glory. We see that he already knew that it was going to be for the Israelites' good. Because they were not just going to escape the Egyptians, but that in escaping the Egyptians, the entire known world would hear about a God that split a sea wide open and that they would know the true God and the true law to follow, that God had a far more good and greater and glorious plans than the Israelites could have imagined in that moment. And we must remember the same in our stress, that ultimately God's got it, and he has a greater plan that is for our good and his glory that we may not understand in the moment. And I also like that he tells the Israelites to take action, They're told to be still for a bit. And then he says, tell the Israelites to move on. And I think God calls us to action too. So as the band comes up and as we go into a time of reflection, I want us to be still and to reflect. But I also want us to move on and take action. As awesome as worship services are and as encouraging as they are, I hope we as a church also are transforming our lives to be more like Jesus and we're helping each other do the same. So I want each of us to reflect, maybe write down in a journal or on our phone or, or on our heart, maybe, maybe a distraction that we've been having that's distracting us too much and that we need to put away. Maybe a new way that we can be still and rest going forward. Maybe it's an unhealthy habit that we need to remove or a healthy habit or a command of God we need to start following to lead us to that more full and joyous life. All of us can take actions through God's will and his encouragement. And thankfully, he's given us his word to help us find those actions to take. And I think we all need to take actions because I don't think I'm the only one that's a little stressed. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you gave us your word written thousands of years ago by people of different cultures and times, but that it still affects and impacts us today. I pray that each of us would maybe find a new way to be still, enjoy time with you and reflect. That each of us would maybe remove a distraction or replace an unhealthy habit with a healthy one, a new command of God that will help us to find joy in a more full life going forward. I thank you, God, that you'll be with us when we take those actions and that you give us people of God to help us along the way that it's not just us, but that it's you through us. And I pray all this through your spirit and in Jesus' name, amen.